The local church is a collection of people who are being transformed by Jesus, who live in a community purposefully to model and proclaim Jesus. Scripture tells us to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have. Every story is unique. Each person is an individual who has met Jesus. All of us have strengths and weaknesses. Together, we are the church, and these are our stories. Welcome back to the Generations Church Podcast. I'm Jeff Lettington, and today I've got a good friend. Jennifer Bell is with me. Welcome to the podcast. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? <laughs> I am well. Thank you. Jennifer's a mom of three. She's married to Brian, um, and she is, she's is she got a great story. And I I feel like I enter into the story, I don't know, well, whatever we said, 12, 13 years ago, um, I got to do your wedding, and you guys have been married now that long. And so I want to go back before that, uh, take us into your story and how it begins. You're going to talk about little Jen. All right, here we go. Here we go. All right, so... Um, my dad, my mom, together, everything's great. They separated when I was young. Enter about 10 years old. Unfortunately, um, my dad had a heart attack, passed away. Mm. My dad was the one who took me to church every Sunday. We were He was very committed to his faith. I went to Sunday school, learned all the Sunday uh, songs, had so much fun at church. And uh, when he died, you know, it was tough. Uh, a piece of me you know, was crushed. I was 10. I didn't know any better. Um, my relationship with God was still strong, even though he had passed away. I, um, knew that my dad, not like God was still watching over me, but my dad was, I still feel like in heaven watching over me as well. So I continued to live a, a good, I feel like it was a good path that walk a nice path of what my dad and what God would want me to. So I helped my mom. My mom had three younger kids after my dad passed away. I helped her um, I moved off to college and, uh, third year of college, my mom had cancer. Mm. So graduated college and I moved back home. Uh, at the time I was in Joshua Tree, California. Right. Sure. No one's heard of Joshua Tree nowadays. Well, um, that back is actually then, bigger than your college town. That's true. No one heard of Joshua Tree until now, but it's like the cool place. Okay. It wasn't growing up there, but, um, I moved back after I graduated college, and I was at a really um, pivotal moment of my life, just graduated college, and we had just got the news that my mom was in remission from her liver cancer. And my siblings were doing great. You know, they didn't need me as much anymore. They were older. And Let I, me ask you, so yeah. give me a snapshot of your faith at that moment. So you just graduate college, you're back here, go through cancer, your mom's in remission. So give me a snapshot. Where's your faith at? Yeah, so I'm still strong in my faith. I know God's there. I know he's who walked us through um, my mom's remission. He helped me um, even guide her and be a good support for her from a distance when I was in college and even for my siblings. Um, There was a a strong moment, though. I um, graduated, and my mom's in remission, and I'm like, I don't know what to do with my life now. Okay. And so I go to my dad's grave, and I hadn't been there since he had passed and this is I'm probably 20 you know it's probably 10 years I hadn't been in his grave and I go to his grave and I'm talking to God I'm talking to him and I'm I'm pouring my heart out and I'm just like you know what God I am ready for the next step daddy I need you to help God find me something and I gave a crazy timeline because 
Because you're I'm crazy? I'm a planner and I'm crazy. <laughs> and I said, okay, within the next five years, I put a timeline on it. Like, like I'm in control, right? Sure. So here's my timeline. I want to, I want a husband and I want a house and I want a baby in the next five years. And I put a timeline. They call that and thirsty nowadays. Oh, so, yeah. Ouch, oh, okay. Ouch. No, okay. That was so, tough. That was tough. So you're at this, so all kidding aside, you're at the gravesite and you're having a conversation with God. You're having a conversation with your dad, which is super normal, right? And <laughs> dad's not around. So how do you talk to him? And so you haven't been there in a while. So you have this moment. You put a five. So the where it gets funny is you put a five-year clock on yeah. these plans. And so you know it takes a little while to have a baby. So really, you're backing <laughs> this up, right? So, hey, I need to meet somebody like right away. Yeah. Right? I think there's a Friends episode that like that, that this is, <laughs> right? Anyhow, so we'll save that for another day. So does God and or your dad fulfill this plan of yours? So absolutely. But here, the funny part is, is like, uh, I... Why did I put a five-year line? Like, why, what? It's not even my plan. It's not my job to put a timeline in it. It's God. So anyways, and I know this, but I'm still a planner, so I ask sure. for this. This is what I want, so I pray for it. Um, so fast forward about two, three months. Literally, I'm in a Starbucks in Yucca Valley, which is right next to Joshua Tree. I'm on the free Wi-Fi, and there's a guy sitting next to me, and he hears me on the phone, and I'm talking to... Um, a friend saying I had just applied for a position in Oceanside and I was really excited about this job and he had overheard me. And so I hang up the phone and he goes, Oh, hi. Um, I heard, you know, your conversation, you know, I'm, uh, I heard you're looking for a job. Have you ever tried this website? It's a really good website. And he shows me the website and I'm like, Oh, you mean this website? And I turn my laptop and it's exactly the same, uh, website that we're on. Okay. And we're both, at that point, looking for an exit out of this small town. My mom's in remission. The kids are doing good. She doesn't need me. I graduate college and I'm at this pivotal moment in my life. Like, I'm, I don't know what else to do. I don't know what to turn to. I seek God. I go to my dad's grave. I talk to my dad. Here enters this gentleman that. Um, so we're talking about Brian, right? We're this talking isn't about Brian. This is not like build up to some dude. random guy. No. Okay, good. All this right. is my husband. Um, this first time we meet, we obviously on the same website. And that's his pickup line. Hey, have you tried this website? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. Real good one. It worked so well. Look at okay. this though. Uh, Starbucks is another great place to meet people. Well, yeah. it's probably better than a bar. So <laughs> better yeah, than okay, a bar. I get it. Okay. We did have a coffee that day. Okay. Um, but so, you're on the same website. So mm -hmm. do you see this as, I don't, I wouldn't say confirmation, but like, is that like kind of like, okay, I Maybe this has got like... That's not where it hit me. Okay. So let's fast forward. Like, so we sit and we're talking and we're just randomly talking. We don't know each other's age at this point. We don't know a lot about each other. And I had assumed he was a little bit older. If you know my husband, he is bald. So I assumed he was older and he was bald since he, in his early 20s. Yeah. So I didn't know this. Um, so I... Um, we're talking and we talk about some important things. We talk about family. What's important okay. to us? We talk about God. He literally told me that, like, he talked, we talked about religion, what we truly believe, what was important to us, um, where our faith, where we were in our walk. And um, he even said, oh, you know, I'd love to introduce you to my church family. And we talked about that. And we talked about politics. We, we talked about everything. Okay. And it's so crazy is all these really important things that we had felt was important to us was all also important to the other person okay. so it resonated really well 
that wasn't the sign yet. You want to go forward? Tell me. I'm tired of now. Right? A week later, we're talking, and I found out that his birthday is August 7th. That's right. Well, here's the crazy part. My birthday is August 7th. And so... We, we line up on all these really important aspects of life, of God and family, and then we have the same birth date. And the minute that happened and I found out we had the same birth date, a few years apart, um, <laughs> just a couple. Just throwing that out there. Thanks. Okay. Um, I realized that that was the sign. I knew that not only God had his hand on this, but my dad did too. Like, this okay. is who I was meant to marry. So, your dad. Now, you brought your dad up yep. again. So... I know that the gravesite is just this kind of this place you're reconnecting with your dad. You have this spiritual moment, but you have another moment at the gravesite. I do. Okay, so fast forward like two years, right? Brian and I, I introduced my dad to my Brian to my dad and my dad to Brian. So we go to the gravesite. We're in the middle of this big move, and it was this real stressful time. And Brian's like, Hey, you, I've never met your dad. You want to go to the grave? And I'm like, No, I don't want to go to the grave. I'm like, We slept on a on on the floor in a new apartment we right. like I, I didn't shower like i don't know i guess you should shower before you go to the grave site i don't know that's kind of <laughs> weird but whatever so um we go to the grave site and i'm talking to my dad i'm like thank you so much you know for bringing brian into my life i know you had a, your hand in this thank you god and i'm praying and talking out loud and uh brian also says you know do you mind if i have a moment i'm like sure of course that's weird but okay you want to have a moment so brian starts talking and he's talking to my dad and he goes dean you know what you raised an amazing daughter um i would really i I, i'm glad i'm getting a chance to talk to you now but i was wondering if i could have your daughter's hand in marriage and then brian pauses like a long awkward pause and he whispers what do you think he said and I'm like, what? Like, what, what What? did he say? I'm like, he probably said, yes, what have you been waiting for? And so I turn around and Brian's on one knee and he has a ring out. And we're both crying some ugly, nasty tears, snot dripping down, <laughs> tears dripping down our face. It was very an ugly moment. This is moment. not a bachelor or bachelorette moment. No, this is okay. not TV worthy by any means. And so sure enough, I said yes, of course. And uh, we got proposed on my dad's gravesite. Okay. So, so romantic. If you said he proposed to me at my dad's gravesite, it's a questionable thing. But actually, yeah. the story is beautiful. Thank you. It he is cool. Good. I'm okay. Props to Brian. So I know we're going to eventually <laughs> we're going to tell Brian's story. Um, so you get hap- you so you get married and mm-hmm. you live happily ever after. Oh yeah, of course, just okay. like everyone. <laughs> so I know that's not true. So so no. and I know you have three kids. So oh. kind of take me into that. All right. So uh, fast forward a couple years, we decide to have children. We are blessed this beautiful. Oh wait wait wait. Uh oh. Five year marker. Do you have a house, a kid, and a and a, and yes. a husband? Yes. Okay. So good. All right. Five so. years. So we got we got married. The house was a vacation house. We decided okay. to partner. Right. Got a house and. In Arizona, and then within that five years, we had Ian. Okay, so it worked. Me to I got my five years. Five years. All right. So take me to Ian. So now you have Ian. Yep. So we have Ian. Um, I didn't know what to expect. I had helped my mom raise children, but being a mother is different than raising children mm-hmm. um, that aren't yours, especially. So when Ian was born, and even before he was born, I was so afraid to have him because it wasn't. Uh, the fear of actually birthing him it's the fear of him being out of me and me being away from him and i so slipped like in into, an unhealthy way in a very unhealthy okay, way gotcha. i slipped into postpartum depression i had felt some very scary dark thoughts of what would happen 
when I was gone from him of what could happen to me and um, what would what could even happen to him when I wasn't there. Like I really had this very unhealthy fear of leaving him and it got dark moments of what I should like who thinks this like I know this isn't rational and when I was going through it I'm like that's not rational to think oh if I fell in the shower and hit my head that's he'll have a better life like that's totally rational these are thoughts that I had every single day the minute I drove away from him I was in full-blown tears I couldn't function so is this this is totally a dude asking a woman question. You know what I mean, right? So is this you chemically postpartum going through things because of the hormones in your body or or both, right? Or is this the loss of your dad? Or is, is it all kind of coming together? No, I don't. You know, losing my dad, I don't necessarily know if they're related. I definitely was afraid because I didn't want Ian to grow up without two parents. Sure. But I think in that moment, it was truly a chemical imbalance of I had this extreme fear. Okay. And it was so extreme that it hurt my marriage too. Like it was tough. And I prayed about it every night. But at the same time, I was like awake listening to Ian breathing and making sure, sure he was still well, you're alive. In it. I'm in it. It was tough. So that's Ian. That's Ian. And then Emily. Yeah. Fast forward, you know, I... Brian wanted another child and I was so afraid to go through the depression again. And I'm reminded that God, that Brian is the head of my household and this is something he wanted. And I absolutely wanted it too. I'm like, Oh, Ian needs a brother or sister. Let's have another child. I prayed when Emily was, when, when I was pregnant with her, um, that she'd be healthy and I got a healthy baby. I didn't play that. I didn't have postpartum, which is probably where I went wrong. (laughs) Um, because I did have postpartum, but you know, this one, this depression was different and I felt like I had, I was so overwhelmed with life of having a, I, and he was two when Emily was born, oh. he just turned two, uh, but I was so overwhelmed because he's very active and needs a lot of redirection and attention <laughs> and love and patience that I don't quite have, but he needed so much attention that I felt that I was going to be neglecting him by giving another child attention. So when I had Emily, um, I didn't have an emotional connection to her. I felt like someone just dropped a baby off at my doorstep and that this is what, at the end of it, I was like, well, this is what God wants. I'm having my second child. This is what I want. But I never thought that. Like, I'm like, there wasn't a moment that I was happy for the first year of her life. There wasn't a moment like, I'm like, oh, parenting is easy. I got this. I was giving so much um, not only to my church, but to, um, my family, to my kids and to my husband and working full time. I did take off some time to try to help myself, but it, it was really tough. So I hear a lot of you, Jennifer, giving away. Mm -hmm. I don't hear a lot of you getting. I didn't. I, um, I was giving from an empty cup. Um, about six, seven months after she was born, I suck. I s- seeked help. Sought out help. Sought out help. That's how we say it in English. Help. Sorry okay, about good. that. Okay. So at Generations, we keep a therapist on staff and David Brown. And mm-hmm. I know that's a part of your story is reaching outside. So 
eventually we're going to catch Brian's story. And I know this from hanging out with Brian and spending, you know, like on a chairlift when we snowboard or doing something, we're driving together or something. <laughs> he has his side of the story. But sometimes you need to get outside of you and it can't just be your spouse. You have to get outside of that and you need some professional help. So in comes help for you. So how did that play out for you? Yeah, so I started seeing a counselor uh, two, three times a week as often as I could. I would even bring Emily with me because I didn't have anyone to care for her. Um, Brian works full time. He couldn't take a baby to work. This was pre-COVID when you couldn't telework all the time and it wasn't acceptable to take your child with you. Um, I, I got the help that I needed and about 13 months after she was born, God answered my prayers and, and I was no longer depressed and I was a happy mom and I was able to, um, receive not only from just a counselor, but receive more love from God because I, I'm sure he was giving it to me, but when I was in it, it was so dark that I I never felt like I was getting anything from God. I had these unanswered prayers I had poured out to him, and I really didn't feel like he was giving me anything. Looking back, I know he was. He was still providing. Totally. My, he was still giving me a roof over my head. He was still giving me wonderfully healthy children, and I was healthy. Brian was healthy. We had no health problems. And, like, I look back, and I know he was there during that time. Yeah. Uh, but it never feels like it when you're going through it. So big, so a struggle with depression after your first child, a massive postpartum depression struggle, and even hard time connecting with your daughter at first, Mm -hmm. which obviously you have now. And so you get to this place. So two kids and you quit. Yeah, no, that's, that's what I wanted. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So this is fun. I wanted to quit it too. Um, Out of fear? Out of fear. I was so afraid of what kind of mom am I going to be? Like this depression first with Ian was, I was so deathly afraid to leave him that I couldn't function without him near me. Then the second one, I felt like I was just going in this roller coaster of emotions where I was so, I was fine leaving her. I would have go left her with a stranger. Don't tell her that. Okay, I would have we'll just left. Her. No, don't tell her that. Um, I just didn't have that connection with her. And I just felt like I was going through the motions of this is what's required of me. And I was so distant socially emotionally from everyone really during this time I couldn't build any good relationships and even with my husband we really suffered during that 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 year after she was born um after that we had to take in some time and we really spent a lot of family time and it benefited us and it made us stronger not only in our faith but stronger in our marriage which is a super important totally so counseling yes connecting as a family Connected with your faith, connected with your family, counseling. So you get to this place, and again, I know you have a third child. Yep. So, okay, you don't want to have kids. You're afraid of what it could be. I, I mean, listening to you, I'd be afraid. So I get that, but you do have a third child. So yeah. how did you get there? So the kids started praying, and at night they pray for a brother or a sister. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. They're like, I'm like, that's your prayer. I'm not going to pray that, okay? That's what you guys want. You guys can pray whatever you want. I'm not going to tell you what to pray. That's on you. Brian started praying for it. Ah. Kids are praying for it. Then they're praying for a dog. Oh my gosh, it got so overwhelming. I am praying for God's will. Every night I go to bed, I just say, thank you for what I have. You know, I pray for your will. And so sure enough, gosh, about three, four months after the kids are praying this prayer of wanting a brother and sister, I hear God speak. And I know it sounds so crazy, 
but I wake up in Nothing sweats. Nothing is going to sound crazier than what we've already covered. That's true. That's true. So I am crazy. We've already we're, determined okay. that. Okay. So I wake up crying in sweats and I swear I heard God's voice and he said, if your husband wants a dog, give him a dog. And if he wants a baby, give him a darn baby. And it was a stern voice. Let me okay. tell you. And it wasn't Brian because he's still snoring next to me. So it wasn't <laughs> like he was like whispering in my and ear. Brian right? can snore. I and know he that, could yeah. snore. So I, I, cr- I, I cried. I cried. I was late to work that day because I just, I didn't talk to Brian. I didn't tell him anything. I just went about my day, called my mom. I called my best friend and I'm like, God just spoke to me and he told me this is what he wants for my life. And let me tell you, this is not what I want. I was so broken after the second child and I don't want to go through that. Like I would never willingly put myself through this again. And sure enough, I, uh, we took about a week. And I talked to Brian and he says, honey, God's bigger than all of this. Like you can make it through. We can do this together. Right. (laughs) Oh gosh. We prayed about it before, during the pregnancy. And the most thing I prayed for was that I wouldn't have depression. And let me tell you, God answers those prayers. And he sure enough did not give me depression. However, however, the unfortunate part is when, um, the baby was four days old. I had to be rushed to the ER and I was in heart failure. Um, there's something called postpartum cardiomyopathy and it essentially means heart failure after giving birth. And I was in full heart failure going in and out of consciousness. And within five minutes of getting into the ER room, I had about eight doctors working on me. I had chest x-ray, blood panels, um, and the medicine I needed essentially to bring me back to life which sounds so crazy but I was I was dying and we hear about like in history we go back hundreds of years and we hear about how fatal childbirth could be Mm -hmm. like this is a thing like this could have been without modern medicine this could be the end of your life yeah I'm stubborn and I was actually sitting there saying I'm having trouble breathing and Brian and my mom are like hey this mainly Brian he's like this is why we have health insurance go to the hospital let them tell you And I'm like, well, I Googled it. And he goes, well, what does Google say? I said, Google says I'm dying, but I'm fine. I'm just going to take a nap. And he's like, no, you're going to the emergency room. And if it weren't for that, I mean, I I may have fell asleep and not woken up. Sure. And then then here's my postpartum depression. That's what I thought of like when all these bad moments went for pregnancy one and pregnancy two after them was that my kids would be better off without me. And maybe if I died or I even killed, I even thought about killing myself. What if I, I didn't thought about the act of killing myself, but I thought, if I were to die, if I, if this were to happen, my kids would be better off. And now here I'm really facing that I'm, I could die right now. And and would my kids be better off? No, I want to live. Right. God walked with me at that moment. He put the right doctors right there to help me. There was about a two, two really tough weeks that I was still, I don't want to say hit or miss, but I was in and out of the hospital and I still was having trouble breathing and I was still having a lot of symptoms from it. Um, and while I'm still trying to care for my children, um, I'm so blessed because God provided and he provided a church family. He provided friends. He provided um, school families, random strangers that provided and really would show up. Brian's calling me. He's like, someone just dropped off diapers. I don't even know who they were. Oh, there's a meal on our step. Do you know who it's from? I didn't know any of it. I was just so focused on trying to get myself healthy and better and my heart back to normal 
that I didn't know what was going on. Mm. And these people provided and met us there. That's amazing. So here I've heard a couple things. One, you have this kind of consistent prayer life. I'm sure it's, it ebbs and flows, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, there's a consistent theme. And I know you love that. I don't know if it's considered a poem or what it is, but the footprints, right? And so there's, if people are unfamiliar, it's this idea that there is, you know, two sets of footprints walking, except for when things in life get really hard. Then there's only one. And so this person who is seeing this about themselves says, God, it seems like in all the hard times, you were gone, you know, you were walking with me, then it got really hard. And then where are you? And he's like, no, that's when I carried you. Mm -hmm. And I know that's really important to you. So how does that, how does that become kind of how your life was lived out? I mean, like, why is that so important to you? Why is that kind of your life story? Yeah. So when you're going through depression and you're looking down, you only see one footprint. You're not even looking back. You're in the moment, right? right. And you're looking down, you see one footprint and you are, you feel so alone. Mm. And then when you look back and you're reminded at those footprints in the sand, that there was two footprints, two sets of footprints right. behind you in those dark moments, it was just one, you know, that God was carrying you. And right. I know God carried me through those moments. I never acted on any of my negative thoughts. I have wonderfully healthy, happy, crazy children who keep me on my toes and cause me a lot of gray hairs, but I love my life. God has really provided for us and he carried me through those moments. I, if it weren't for my strong faith, I don't know how I could have made it. Like I really, I knew because I had grown up through the church with my dad I knew that the thoughts I had were temporary and that God was bigger than them. Mm. Even during those dark moments, I still knew that I could laugh and joke like, yeah, I had this weird feeling, but I never, I never acted on it because I know God's bigger and I know it wasn't part of his plan. So I want to go out on a limb and I'm going to say Uh-oh. you had a good husband. Great I know husband. I'm strong. It's a stretch, but <laughs> so Brian's a good dude. You got good kids. So you have a, a solid marriage. You have a solid faith, but... And I'm not saying faith is not enough or or Brian's not enough, but there are times when having all the right pieces in place, we still need to get outside of that. And so what would you say to somebody? So somebody's listening and they're struggling with postpartum depression or maybe their darkness, maybe it's the loss of a loved one like you experienced, the loss of your dad, whatever it is, gets them to a place. I know you're an advocate for reaching out and talking to somebody. So Mm -hmm. just somebody's in that place. What would you say to them? Yeah, I would say someone has gone through what you're going through, you mm. need to seek help. You need to talk to others. And the first thing I would do is talk to Pastor Jeff or or talk to David Brown, who's on staff. Yeah. We, we can't do that on our own. When you're going through it, you feel alone, but I promise you someone's been through it and you need to talk to about it with someone. If you can't get a hold of anyone, you can talk to me too. Right. <laughs> so that's honestly, and I'm going to use that to wrap us up, that's why we're doing stories of faith, right? Because your story is different than my story. Clearly, I can't speak to issues around pregnancy, post-pregnancy. I can't speak to that the way you can. And again, and I, I've said this a few times now, but Brian's going to share his story eventually. And, and we're going to, I know he has this other side of what it looks like to be a husband in that moment. That's a story you can't tell, mm-hmm. right? And so we're telling these stories so that each time Jesus intersects a life, there's common themes, being alone is a big one, right? Pain, depression, struggle. But each time it, it's unique. 
and God shows up uniquely. And so that's why we're doing this series called Stories of Faith, how Jesus intersects in lives, in everyday people's lives, and how he meets us in our hardest moments. So stay tuned, a story every week as we work our way through getting to know one another better and hearing how Jesus transforms lives. Thank you for listening to this story about how Jesus made a difference. Generations Church is filled with ordinary people who met an extraordinary Savior. Subscribe so you don't miss a single story. Would you stop and share this with one friend today? The story of Jesus is most easily seen in the lives of people who know him.